Yeah. TC, what time is it? Uh, it's time we do a fucking makeover. <laughs> Hi, I'm Steve. And I'm TC. And welcome to the Movie Makeover Podcast, where we take the movies you love, thank you, love, guilty pleasures, or downright hate, and give them a much-needed update. This week's movie is 2000's Charlie's Angels, uh, written by Ryan Rowe, Ed Solomon, and John August, directed by McGee, um, who is the director, uh, he also does Full Throttle, um, and he's the producer of TV series like Chuck and Lethal Weapon, which I thought was really interesting. He also has uh, OC credits. I feel like <laughs> a producer credit is not as hands-on creatively as much as directing and writing. And those No, things. but I just thought it was really funny that yeah. they brought him in for Lethal Weapon. Yeah. Considering, like, they must have been like, oh, we love what you did with Charlie's Angels. That must be how he got that job <laughs> and all of his jobs, and I don't understand. Oh, <laughs> uh, and starring Cameron Diaz, Drew Barrymore, Lucy Liu, Bill Murray, and Sam Rockwell. Yep. All right. Um, this is our original remake. Like, this is a remake. It's a remake of a TV show, which we haven't done before. Yeah, I don't think we have. So. Um, and the, the problem with this is that I'm not super familiar with the source material. I remember seeing Charlie's Angels on, like, TV land. Yes. And, like, bits and pieces. But, like, I really, other than maybe, like, seeing it here and there, I'm more familiar with just Farrah Fawcett as Farrah Fawcett than I am of Charlie's Angels. Absolutely. And then there's, like, the signature pose. Sure, sure, you know sure. There's three of them. You know, Bali, uh, sorry, Bosley. Um, you know of the opening little Good Morning, Charlie. Like, yeah. these, there are signatures of this that are very familiar. But you're right, like... I didn't watch the entire series. I think honestly, so. because we're like, remember, this is we're living in a time where there's like three channels. So like, <laughs> I, I don't think there was any continued storyline. I think it was like every week there's yeah. a new mission and we solve it and it's it's MacGyver. Like, it's, <laughs> absolutely, that's, that's it's it. very much MacGyver. Yeah, um, it's in that whole. Uh, what do they do? They do TJ Hooker. Yeah, in our opening, which I the opening we'll get into. Yeah. Okay, but first impressions. What were is it like when you first saw this movie? I remember not liking it when it came out. I remember. <laughs> Watching both this and the sequel, don't know why, probably got dragged by my friends. I will say that this movie should be better than it is. The cast, the the time that this came out, I feel like this should be a better movie. But at every turn, they're doing something where I'm like, dear God, why? No, no. <laughs> and I can't really tell you my first impression because it's like this, along with many movies from my childhood um, that people really liked and wanted to watch all the time, I forced it out of my brain. Like, I didn't want this taking up space. Watching it again, I now understand why. <laughs> so I'm complete opposite. I loved this movie growing up. But I will say, like, I pushed for it. You can always tell when, like, one of us has pushed for it. I will say that watching this movie again, very much like would do Where's My Car and other movies that I was like, oh my god, we have to do this movie. I was like, it did not hold up as well as I thought it would. <laughs> no. <laughs> there are quite a few things that uh, just don't stand the test of time. Uh, but I remember at the time, again, stand the t as if blackface was of the time <laughs> in 2000. Um, sadly, um, anything past... Tropic Thunder is the is is our line. Sorry, anything before Tropic Thunder, I will say gets a pass because I don't understand how Tropic Thunder was a thing, and yet everyone hails it as a great movie. I had a problem with blackface then. I had a bad problem with blackface. I don't think blackface should exist in these contexts. But here we are. TC taking a strong stance. <laughs> I, I, all right, so forgive me, guys. I don't think Drew Barrymore and Robert Downey Jr. should be walking around in blackface. That's just me. Um, do you want to give us the critics' reception? Yeah, sure. Um, well, uh, I just want to say that this movie did wonderfully with critics. Um, so much so that Roger Ebert gave it a zero point five out of four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was the worst review saying that it was eye candy for the blind. Um, oh, wow. But uh, the fans are a little bit more forgiving. Rotten Tomatoes has it at 68% and IMDb has it at 5.5 out of 10. So, I mean, like, this movie is one of those things that, like, the Any fans liked. The critics seem to not like, but that makes complete sense to me. Um, it had a budget of $93 million. It, of course, made its money back in a big way, actually. $264 million box office. <laughs> Thus, the sequel. Absolutely. Um, 
and by the way, we did not watch the sequel, but we were just watching a few clips of it. Everything they do in this movie, they just double down on in the oh, sequel. Oh, absolutely. It's like everyone heard that. Like, unlike how we would like them to do in this remake uh, that's upcoming, which is one of the reasons why I chose this, is like, oh, they're coming out with another Charlie's Angels movie. I would love to d- watch the old one and kind of predict what we want to see. Yeah. But uh, it's like... People watched the first one, got several complaints, and the writers were like, you know what? We're doubling down. We're going racier, and we're going... (laughs) Okay. Um, So, as usual, we do a little genre assessment when we're doing these movies. We discuss the uh, characters, settings, plot, conflict, and the overall tropes and cliches of the genre. This particular one is... Charlie's Angel itself has certain signatures that you need, which includes the three angels, Bosley's, Charlie's voice, and then, of course, the mission or the spy aspect of it. Yeah. Um, And, I mean, this movie, as far as, like, being, like, a spy movie, I mean, it kind of is. There's a lot of disguises, but that's also where the problems arise. Oh, we're going into there. But first, of course, let's get into the summary. Okay. All right, so Cameron Diaz, Lucy Liu, and Drew Barrymore star as the titular trio of angels, Natalie Cook, Alex Munday, and Dylan Sanders, who, along with their handler, Bosley, played by Bill Murray, work for the mysterious, always-concealed Charles Townsend, who communicates with them through a speaker box. Their mission is to recover the stolen voice ID software of Eric Knox, played by Sam Rockwell, while using martial arts, tech skills, and sex appeal. Hijinks ensue. Uh, Boy, do they. (laughs) Boy, do they. All right, so do the best you can. I will admit, even for me, the good is small in here. But let's start off with some positivity. I I literally have, like, two or three things written for the good, and uh, most of my list was just bad. But um, I will say that this is our third LL Cool J movie that we've done. (laughs) Was not intended. We forgot that he was in BAPS. We forgot that he was in this. Um, And obviously... LA Cool J cashing them checks. Yeah, that Deep Blue Sea money. Like, he he did a few movies, and I guess we're hitting all of them. Uh, You know what? I say we do Halloween H2O. Oh my, I can't wait. (laughs) Um, But that does lead me to the point where I do... I like most of this cast. I honestly do think that, like, as actors, I enjoy when I see Tim Curry on screen. Yes. I enjoy when I see Bill Murray. I enjoy... And I'm not saying that, like, everyone does great all the time <laughs> in this movie, but there are things just like, you know what? Crispin Glover is as Crispin Glover as he could possibly be, and this is the perfect role for a Crispin Glover. I will say, like, so starting off with characters, I definitely think that Crispin Glover plays Creepy Thin Man perfectly. Like it, That's like what it, he is. It was originally a speaking role, and he chose not to, and I think that was a, the wise thing to do. It was like, hey, John Waters is busy, let's get Crispin <laughs> Glover. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And he plays it perfectly, and his his character is memorable. He has not aged since Back to the Future, by the way. Like, this... I mean, I think it's part of that whole deal he made. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought he... he I, I honestly... I know there's so many problematic aspects to everyone's performance, but I truly think that, like, you know what? The main cast does the job they were there to do. Everyone does the job they're, they were hired for. Every... Okay, I, we'll, we'll get into this a little bit more, but I will say... Um, for me, Lucy Liu taking off that helmet and whipping her hair for the very first time in the opening sequence, I was like, is nothing sexier? Like, did I just change sexuality? Yeah. Because she looks so freaking gorgeous in that shot. Um, they use it on every promo. I, I think all the actresses look great. I think all, everyone in this movie looks great. Oh, this is clearly an early 2000s movie. Yes. Because you're right. Like, everyone is picture perfect. Yeah. With the, uh, the exception of a few characters. But, like... I've noted that every single, like, McGee, I think his name is, mm-hmm. the director, he has a type of guy. Yep. Because every extra guy in here is this square-jawed, Ken doll-looking dude. Yep. Um, the delivery guy is, the driver is, even Luke Wilson, who I forgot was in this, yep. is this square-jawed, all-American looking motherfucker. It's almost as if they casted this entire movie with headshots. Oh, absolutely. No auditions, just (laughs) headshots. Send in your photos. We'll pick and choose and figure out a match that works with our characters. That's what happened with this whole movie. (laughs) That's actually really funny. Also, I think that uh, Sam Rockwell does an amazing job. 
Yeah, and that's what I mean. Like, he doesn't give a bad performance. I won't necessarily say it's a great performance, no. but he, Sam Rockwell, is the good guy turned bad guy. Like, yeah. he does it great. He plays, he plays, when he's playing the good guy, he's really fun and, and sympathetic. And then, um, you kind of believable. Uh, there are even moments where, like, again, knowing the ending, where his, um, I guess right hand Vivian or whatever mm-hmm. she she's kind of being too pushy and he's like no I'm not like you know it's like he's kind of like riding it but like he doesn't do, do so in a way where it's too obvious but you can kind of tell he's like no I have a master plan let's not sure. do it and then there's that moment that scene where he's just he's listening to Marvin Gaye and he just kind of like yeah. reveals himself to be evil and it's a really good cinematic moment sure. in, my, in my opinion yeah, it's funny because when I searched YouTube for Charlie's Angels, like, interviews or whatever, like, I try to, every now and then it's really hard to. Yeah. The only few scenes I found, um, one of which was Sam Rockwell's dancing. Like, that yeah. was, like, a clip that had a bunch of views. So, yeah. apparently people like this movie for Sam Rockwell's dancing. I don't blame them because there's very little to like about it. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, like, I'll, I'll mention this a little bit later, but I was like, he is always dancing. Yep. Like, like every time we see him, he's kind of, like, just moving around. It's like, can you imagine having a boss who just, like, every... Dude, we we have a master plan we're supposed to be doing. No. <laughs> Could you stop? <laughs> no, everyone is dancing in this movie. I think this is fucking Mick G, because Diaz dances this entire movie, and I, I take umbrage with all of it. <laughs> uh, before we get into that, I also liked... We're gonna get into it, but I liked the meta-ness of the movie. Like, it starts off... I will say, it starts off telling you... When, with the whole T.J. Hooker reference and everything like that. Well, they even break into this uh, this sequence that's almost exact from the opening sequence of the TV show, where you see the girls and Charlie's talking about his angels and everything like that, and the posing and everything. I felt like, you know what, if I were a fan of the series, I would have liked that they were playing with a lot of these iconic moments and updating them tongue-in-cheek kind of way. Exactly, which is what yeah. you want from a remake that has an IP. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Someone who's not taking it too seriously. Absolutely. Um, all of that said, I'm trying to see if there's anything else in my good, because I, I looked. Um, oh, I will say this movie also gave me one of my favorite quotes, which is, and it's so weird because it's such like a weird line, but damn you, Salazar! is like literally something I said all the time. In college, um, our like, gr- we had like a group that would now just be like a... A Facebook group or a chat or whatever, and it was literally called Damn You Salazar. Wow. Like, like I don't know why, but like Damn You Salazar is one of the and what's crazy is I've said Damn You Salazar like out in the open before, and people have been like, Charlie's Angels. Like it's it's a quote it's a for weird some thing. weird reason everyone attached to. I love that. <laughs> um one thing I will say that like I can give this movie some credit for if I'm not being so critical. Um, I like that uh, Sam Rockwell's character had this software that was like voice recognition and voice, uh, you know, uh, identification. It just seems very now. It seems very much like in a time where we have like face app as like a thing. So it's funny because that was like part of my problem with that. And we'll get into is they they kind of explain what it does, why it's special, and then they completely take it back. Like, moments later. Oh, I definitely. But <laughs> the fact that in 2000, they were able to kind of, like, predict, like... Oh, I don't, yeah. Like, I just think that was a very forward-thinking conflict for them to have. And so I, I give them a little bit of a uh, pat on the back for that, just because it's something that we're heavily dealing with, with, like, deep fakes and things like that. Yes. Um, so I, I, I found that to be oh, interesting. Absolutely. And I think, like, overall, the idea of, like, their mission... The idea, the IP, I still think works. Three female kick-ass spies that go undercover and they're just saving the world. Like I'm down for that. Yeah, I actually think it's a story worth telling again. It's just like a, you know, honestly, I didn't think about it till just now. But it's you kind of get your James Bond totally versions of this, and but they they're also not like as serious and dark and gritty. It's with like it. James Bond meets Powerpuff Girls. Like oh, it's, that's beautiful. It's 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 a great idea. And we're, when we get to the bad, I'll let you know that my main issue has to come with, like, the three characters themselves. Oh, we're getting there. Yeah. Let's just go into it. Because, honestly, we we try to do as good as we could. But there's not a lot of good. And I know you guys who love this movie are thinking, fuck you guys for saying that. <laughs> we watch this movie and then talk to us. Also, because, yeah, I'm going to go into there. So, let's just start with the characters, as we were going to say. The three angels. First of all, let's just, just starting off. Alex. 
Nothing about Alex makes sense. Nothing at all. She uh, apparently... Which one is Alex? Alex is Lucy Liu's character. Okay, yeah. So, first of all, let's we're going to remove the politics of her being okay with them doing yellow face. Let's, ignore, let's yeah. ignore the plot and just talk about the character. Because I can't yeah, I can't. Just her backstory. Yeah. She is a prize-winning polo player. Yeah. A former astronaut. Yep. Who somehow is also a secret spy yeah, that yeah, yeah. no one recognizes? Nope. Nope. Not, not, a, not, not a thing. Well, it's, that's why they have to go undercover and disguise us <laughs> because they're all over every newspaper. Every like, and then also my thing with her, I was like, her boyfriend Jason, played by um, Matt, Matt LeBlanc, LeBlanc, doing Joey. Doing Joey. Exactly. That's what <laughs> drove me crazy. I was like, they didn't even come up with it. They were like, hey, just play an actor again. Just like, <laughs> hey, we have you have a few scenes from Friends? Yeah, let me just take that and throw it in here. It's the exact same character. Exactly. It's just Joey. Like, I will say like that. Um, he knows nothing about her. Nothing at all. Nope. Like, he doesn't know anything about her history. The like, thing he likes says, the most is the lie. Yeah. Oh, he, oh, he was kind of turned on by her being, being a, a bikini wax. A bikini waxer. A bikini waxer. And you're like, okay, first of all, gross. Yep. And then second of all, you gave her secret job is that she's a waxer. Yeah. That's where that's where you went with this. Come up with something. She wasn't she was an astronaut. <laughs> where is the correlation, Charlie? I'm not seeing it. Uh, one thing I did love is that Alex, Lucy Liu was a, a famous equestrian. She was a astronaut. She had all of these, like, larger-than-life... Like, she had to accomplish so much. What did Drew Barrymore do to become part of this elite team? Oh, oh, we're gonna get into Because that. it seems to me that the Asian had to work <laughs> to, get, to be the best of the best to do something that Drew Barrymore punched a drill sergeant and was like, yep, she's in the group. <laughs> she, she's the spunky one. They're doing, like, flashbacks and, like, even, like, uh, like uh, you know, Cameron Diaz's character is so shown, like, winning Jeopardy and things like that. She has an intellect. Drew Barrymore literally is, like, smoking in a, in a bathroom. That's what they're flashing back to. As Absolutely. To, why are these three women friends? No, well, not they're not friends. I mean, they're friends because they're co-workers, which I think is important. But why are they co-workers is the even better question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, no, because I think we are meant to believe that there's like a three, like... There are three, three specialties. There's, there, we're, I think that we're supposed to believe there is a friendship, a deep friendship relationship there. The way they're talking about like, oh, you should ask that guy out, blah, blah, blah. Well, yeah. And I, I was, what I'm saying is, they're, it's not like they created this team... From their friendship. Sure, sure, they sure. They became friends by being co-workers. I think that the lack of friendship between the three of them is what left me wanting more from the story. Because, like, what I'm left with are three characters that, besides the exposition exposition at the beginning, I don't really know what why they're friends, why they hang out, what separates the three of them. They just are just like, we're spies. This is what we do. We have our lives that are just kind of nothing that adds to our story. I will say that there's very, like... They do a very shallow, because again, I think we get the most, for some weird reason, we get the most explanation and backstory with Alex, but Alex is also like kind of just filled in with like things that don't make sense. Again, the, she has like this boyfriend. The baking it, thing doesn't make sense. Well, the baking, I, I think the baking thing is really funny because it's supposed Chinese to be. Chinese chess muffin. Okay, so we're. <laughs> All right, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 the baking thing is funny because it's supposed to be like. Her flaw. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, the thing about this movie that I wrote with each of this these women is that they are bad bitches who can't nobody stop. But they all have, like, something that makes them relatable. So, like, um, Natalie's kind of a klutz. And Alex is a bad cook. And Dylan, I don't, she's boy crazy. Like, it's, it has all of these things that they have flaws. But it's like, their flaws aren't, hey, I don't know how to balance work life and I'm like oh. and their flaws never come back around to the overall story it's not like now that i've like remedied this flaw in myself i'm now better at the overall mission like it doesn't play into the story at all it's just like hey i guess you're not gonna see that guy again ha 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 like, exactly it's I, all just filler it's all filler it's all surface level yeah um there is a lot of it. But yeah, I had a huge problem with Alex right off the bat. Because I was like, nothing you've told me makes sense for her to be as accomplished as she is and still be undercover. It's really interesting because I actually thought Alex was the most qualified to be a part she of this. She is. Yeah. She's the most qualified. But again, it's just... 
Like, and they, they kind of show her always working on technology, Asian work with technology. You were like, the drive-through sequence, Jesus Christ. Like, what is they just in had to have an Asian fix the malfunctioning drive-through. There was no reason for her to get technical with the with the setup. There are certain things that I don't understand. Because remember in Dude, Where's My Car, yep. there's a broken drive-through scene. And I'm like, what is it? What was it about 2000? Like, maybe we're missing something. Did this come out the same year as Dude, Where's My yeah. Car? Yeah. This summer. And what was this going summer. on yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to where we did that? Okay, um, so that was a Natalie, of course, being the dumb blonde who she's just like so pretty and she's so dumb she doesn't understand that guys just want to fuck her any and everywhere. And it's this whole thing where Cameron Diaz, who by the way was paid the most, I don't I, know if you looked that up. I'm sure she was paid the most out of everyone. Even though she's Drew Barrymore blonde. has a longer career, Drew Barrymore has a longer career. By the way, Drew Barrymore. Is the one who owns the rights to Charlie's Angels. Well, I guess she's getting more money from it. In the she's long getting run. more money from it in the long run, but I'm talking about as far as pay is concerned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like they were like, they did it by fuckability. They were like, blonde white girl, get paid the most. Redheaded white girl, get paid the second. Asian minority or minority female, uh, we do it. Sure, why not? I will say that Lucy Liu is the freshest face. Like, I, her, as far as her, uh, at, like knowing her as an actress, I don't recognize her from anything before Charlie's Angels. But she gets paid like maybe a million dollars for this. No, movie. I'm betting Charlie's Angels too. She got more. Yeah, most likely. Um, but yeah, she 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 was starting her career. I will give you that. Like you do have to work up, but there's no reason why Cameron Diaz. I have. I gotta say this. I do not like Cameron Diaz. <laughs> you don't? I if I know Cameron Diaz is in a movie, I am less interested in that movie because I haven't. I I feel like she does this in most of her movies. I feel like Sandra Bullock does the same thing of just like this. I'm so quirky. I'm so I'm so aloof. Aren't I cute? Aren't I adorable for not understanding how quirky I am? And that just seems very disingenuous. And the scene where like once I realized that this whole movie was gonna be Cameron Diaz white girl <laughs> dancing, like I was really uninterested in that too because the opening sequence was she's just shaking and dancing in her underwear, which by the way is the exact way that Crossroads with Britney Spears starts as well. Um, I was just like uh, the, her dancing, the way she was doing it. I was just like, who does this? Who wakes up and just white girl dances in the mirror? Maybe this is more popular than I know, but I was like, don't get me wrong. I've definitely woken up in the morning, put on some music, and like jammed out as I was getting ready. The problem I have with that scene is she's so infantized. Again, yes. not only is she like dumb, but she's wearing like little boy underwear. Yep. And it just seems like uh, a teenage boy's wet dream version of what girls do in the morning yeah 100 it's mick g's idea of what women do because again she God answers knows the g door she answers the door for the delivery man in her underwear and it's just saying all these innuendos like she just There's doesn't know so, this whole movie is sexual in the window like every line that they say to a guy is sexual in the window the car chase when yeah. they're, they're doing the, the race car yeah, setup, yeah 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 and it's just like oh my god so fast yeah it's exactly. just everything is just so full of that like oh remember we're objects of sexuality we're yeah. objects of sexuality i wrote earlier what did i say when i uh said how they do it they use martial arts tech skills and sex appeal and it's mostly the sex appeal that they and that's and use. that's the thing is that like i don't mind the idea of like a honeypot like i like yeah. i it makes sense to like oh beautiful women they can they can you know pull one over on men a lot easier but the fact is is that we're not seeing their intellect nearly as much as we're seeing uh, uh drew uh, drew barrymore's tongue as we're <laughs> seeing cameron diaz's tits and as much as we're seeing lucy Lou's feet like those get more screen time than any intellectual problem solving that these women do. Absolutely. And then Drew Barrymore, again, my, my thing with Dylan is Dylan is seen as like a sex maniac. Like she literally is just always like just trying to get with someone. She's the first person to sleep with Knox. And like, um, I don't know if you, I looked it up, but there's that scene where they're speaking Finnish uh, to yeah. each other. And basically they're saying, Alex, sorry, they're saying, Dylan, are you flirting with Knox? And she goes, no, I wouldn't. And then, of course, she sleeps with him very easily. It's just, again, you're allowed to do that. There's nothing wrong with that. There was like a flirtation and we actually got to see more of that. But all we see is kind of like two seconds of kind of looking at her. And she's like, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> Drew Barrymore in this movie seems like she has no she's um, a terrible detective all of them are um but she has 
I wrote this down. Drew Barrymore naturally wants to fuck Knox. And I believe this has a lot to do with the fact that she seems ex exclusively attracted to the type of guys who wear Jesus sandals at Starbucks. <laughs> we open up at her fucking Tom Green. Oh, I was waiting to get to the chat. The chat. Which, by the way, honestly... No. No. I, all right. No. Hold on. Hold on. I, I, hold I, I, on. I, I, Tom Green. Where, where are you with Tom Green prior to this movie? Uh, where I'm at with Tom Green is I saw Tom Green enter onto my TV screen and I said, how did we let this happen? I don't understand how we let Tom Green be anything. You know what? I gotta say, when I saw Tom Green came up, I did not have the reaction I thought I would. What was my reaction was like, what? What? An irre irreverent little weirdo from the 90s that like, would not exist outside of that time period. Like, it was just, like, he is so, like, weird in the way that I was like, wow, that originality I can appreciate. I can appreciate originality. I'll give you that. But what I don't understand is, he, for me, he's, like, Carrot Top, and he's, like, Polly Shore. He is the, oh, Polly Shore, yeah, He's, yeah, yeah. like, he's this person where you're, like, you were white, and you were weird, and therefore, we allowed it. Yep. <laughs> Anyone else is like, you can't do that. Yep. <laughs> we need you to have a stick. Yeah, and I say this now, but when we <laughs> inevitably do Freddy Got Fingered... You will, um, I will I, cry the entire time. <laughs> I will probably change my view of Tom Green. Um, but yeah, I just... I thought that it seemed like Drew Barrymore was literally attracted to anyone. It had nothing that... Like, Tom Green's not an attractive guy. I don't even think Sam Rockwell was super attractive in this movie. No. So it just seemed like she was just willing to fuck anyone. Absolutely. And then there's like, um, is there like a little moment with her and like Creepy Thin Man? She seems down to clown, bro. That's what I'm saying. With anyone. Like anyone. If, there, if anyone who's willing, she will do it. Um, also, Which I'm not trying to slut shame. No. I just think it's... Like, I want purpose. Honestly, yeah. I, don't, I don't care if that's how you are, but I want there to be an attraction. See, or now, if we were doing this nowadays when we do it, make her pansexual. Make it a word. She, you know what? We make it very clear girl is down to get it in yeah or just have like a scene with like her and sam rockwell or her and someone else where she just gives us something to her character other than i like to fuck absolutely just something like oh you know when i was a kid blah 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 or whatever like i thought about it even in the the mission or whatever she's just hot decoy she doesn't do anything like yeah. at least um cameron diaz is shown to be acrobatic yeah um we see um lucy, lucy Liu is constantly what technology yeah. um and cameron diaz is also like smart she has like these little one-offs so she's the one who picks lucy up lucy Liu bird. is essentially the female data from goonies yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> but like when they all they needed was like another body and that was what they used to get um into red star because literally the moment they get past sorry they do the whole thing where they um use the fingerprints and the eye scan after that she just stands outside she doesn't do anything else i wonder if they're like hey we <laughs> need someone on the crew that's willing to fuck for distraction <laughs> do we know anyone and that's how her name got thrown in because she is not qualified to do anything else honestly, she got kicked out of military school i'm certain of honestly it. i'm not gonna lie that would be a very valuable asset to have 100 percent. like having having someone who's always like literally down the clown in their role and is, they're into it yeah like, they're like yeah sure i'll do it yeah who I'm, do you want me to fuck <laughs> how many <laughs> that if that's your role that's fine but if that's just your character flaw like i, I don't know it's very yeah, weird yeah. um also, I don't, this is going to be very controversial. I don't get Bill Murray. In general or in this movie? I, in this movie, definitely don't. This is Bosley's first day. And you cannot convince me otherwise. <laughs> no. Because <laughs> Bosley, like, I was like, how long has he been doing this job? The girls know way more than he. You know what? I, I think I'm learning this about you because separate from Bosley, um, I remember you saying something about like how you hated Groundhog Day. Yeah. And, like, I was just like, wow, like, this... I've never met someone who didn't like Bill Murray. Not that I ha I give a shit, like, like, oh, we're not friends or whatever. But it is just that thing of just, like, oh, this is my first... It's like someone saying, like, fuck Tom Hanks. And I'm like, what? <laughs> well, my whole thing is, Tom Hanks, I get. I, I, I said... I don't get Bill Murray. Even Ghostbusters? Again, I don't... What What is funny about it? Like, I need to know, and I ask this because sometimes it's about 
comedic taste. And it's like learning that, the, you know, there's a culture around this particular delivery and this style. And it's funny in comedy because no one was ever doing this before. Or like that, like their whole thing is that they're straightforward or they talk loudly or like, like people, comedians You're trying to figure out what his thing is. What is his thing? Because even, let's take Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler, he's like a man child. Um, Someone said to me that Bill Murray's thing is he thinks he's the smartest guy in the room, but it's clear that he's not or something like that. And that's like, I, you know what? I was going to describe him as a dry witted asshole with a heart of gold. Okay. Okay, but how's that funny? And, and you know what? I, you know what? He's not a stand-up. I will say that he is an actor. So, like, I think that he was given great roles in Ghostbusters and Groundhog Day, and like these few Scrooge. I love him in. What about Bob? There are certain performances where I'm like, oh, I like him in that movie. But you know what? Not having freshly watched them, I can't specifically say that like his comedic timing over there. And I'm sure that's the case, but I can't preach to it because I haven't seen those recently. And enough. that's what I'm saying. For me, actor, completely different than comedian. And Bill Murray is put in the comedian. And you know what? I think that's I think that's a false way to judge him. And I think the proof of that is Wes Anderson. Because I think that he is doing a lot of great work dramatically. Lost in Translation? Yeah. Are, like, that's it, right? Yeah, Lost in Translation. Lost in Translation. Again, that I get. Even, I will say, even his cameo in... Zombieland. Zombieland. Great. I, I think that's funny. But for me, the funny situation is he thought that dressing up like a zombie was the safest way to be. Yeah. He dies because they thought he was a zombie. Yeah. That is funny. I don't get why he's considered funny. Mm. And that's my whole thing. If someone can explain, if someone is willing to explain to me why Bill Murray is funny, well, it's completely I, different from why is he casted. Because if sure. he's cast as, like, if you just filled that role in um, with This an specific actor, role, Bosley especially, is anyone anyone could have played Anyone could have. They Bruce, replace him. Bernie Mac played it, so anyone can do it. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. But who do they replace him with? A comedian. Yeah. And Bernie Mac, again, even if I don't think even if I don't think it's funny, I still know your bit. I know what your signature is that people latch onto and be like, that well, is. Well, let funny. me ask you, how many like how familiar are you with Bill Murray? Like, I wonder, like, I've maybe... seen Ghostbusters, yeah, I've seen, seen Groundhog's Day, I've yeah. seen I've seen, as you said, Space Jam. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen Space Jam. Again, I I will say that Wes Anderson makes the most sense to me. Okay. Like his casting in Wes Anderson films, that makes the most sense to me. Why? Because it's a little surreal. It's a li it's a little supposed to be heady and odd and like all this other stuff. That makes sense. He, when he is cast as the comedic relief to something, I'm like, I just don't. I wonder understand. how much though. Like when you're watching, and I don't know how much of this we want to include in this. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I do wonder like when we're watching Ghostbusters, when we're watching these things, like how much of it is like, and then Bill Murray says something funny, or versus how what's in the script? Because that I would like to know because he does come from like the Chicago improv scene. He did like Second City and all that stuff. This is what I'm saying. Like even when I think about his work in like SNL and all this other stuff, it's just like. I when I think about it, you're not funny. Like I get that you were you were in a time when everyone else was. I just don't get it. Well, and here's the thing: I feel like asking anyone to explain why anything is funny is no, never going to be funny. No, 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 I don't. I don't need you to it, your explanation to be funny. I just need to know what it is. Yeah. Because again, Kevin Hart, Chris Rock, um, Lewis Black, like each, uh, Mitch Hedberg. There are comedians who I know, like. If we even want to take it there, um, there are certain actors who they're funny when they're cast because they understand how to be funny. Chris Hemsworth knows comedic timing. You know what's interesting is that I would kind of put Bill Murray, especially in this era, more of like a Michael Keaton. Like, I'm an actor who can do comedic work when I'm casted. Yes, and see, I think, I think, uh, well, ultimately, by the way, this has become the Bill Murray podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think ultimately what I'm saying is if... If it was set up like Michael Keaton is an actor and we can cast him for anything and he happens to be funny at times, that's different. Him and Homecoming, fantastic. Yeah. But they don't say, and comedian, Michael Keaton. Sure, 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 sure. That's my problem. Okay, we can move on. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, are you ready to get into the edgier sides of this movie? Bro, all right, let's just start with 
the opening scene. I have so many. I've had so many notes from just the opening scene of this yeah, movie. Go, go, go. All I right. will be quiet and let you go. All right. So we open up with a, a pre 9 11 plane scene. <laughs> and I know that just because we immediately start with someone who has a bomb that they got on the plane strapped to their chest. Absolutely. Um, By the way, I was looking at that. She opens the cabin pressure door and it jumps out. I was like, oh, everyone on that plane Everyone dead. died. Everyone. everyone on the plane is immediately dead. It's so counterproductive to you getting him off the plane to begin with. Everyone. And also, uh, I was like, this movie does not believe in shrapnel at all. No, not at all. <laughs> There's so many explosions where they're so close to it and they're like, huh, we're good. Um, <laughs> one of the things I told you uh, that I, I had to keep Googling over and over again was how uh, high you can jump into the uh, uh, body of water before you die. Um, it's 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 shocking how much they play with that in this movie. Um, but my whole thing is that for the entire opening sequence, Drew Barrymore is in blackface. The, she is played by LL Cool J, but after the whole situation where they take the bomber off the plane, they parachute down to a boat that Cameron Diaz is driving. Ella Cool J whips off the mask, makeup, whatever you want to call it, prosthetics, and it is Drew Barrymore who has been masquerading as Ella Cool J. Siege, how do you feel about this? So I was confused because I was like, in one way, we have a reverse white chicks. Um, so we have like a white woman playing a black man, which the politics of that is not great. But I will say they didn't have her actually dress up like a black man. So I'm a wait little for bit... It. Wait, wait, wait. We're getting there. I'm a little bit more forgiving of that scene because it is, in fact, supposed to be a disguise. It is played by a different character. And, I mean, honestly, if you're supposed to be a spy and you're supposed to be able to do all this stuff, the LL Cool J thing, not great, but I'm willing to see past it it is when later on we have her uh, in actual blackface yep. that I'm like, okay, no. And yeah. then yellow face. Yellow and fa like blackface <laughs> and yellow face. Guys, what's... Oh, what, bingo! Yeah. <laughs> like, what, what are we waiting for? Like, this is ridiculous. Absolutely. And I was definitely like... So one of the things is... I did my research on this movie. One of the things is Bill Murray and... Uh, like, I think one of the reasons why he didn't come back was Bill Murray and Lucy Liu had a huge fight on set... And it was supposedly because um, Lucy Liu said that, like, he was demeaning, like, why were you even cast or something like that? I don't know. She took it in one way. And he was like, no, I didn't say that. I asked, why were you willing to do this script? Like, why were you willing to do this movie? Yeah. He, he legit was like, did you read the script? Like, 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 like <laughs> it is so racist. And, like, I feel like Tim Curry literally calls her Yoko. Yep. <laughs> yep. There is a scene where... Tim Curry and Bill Murray start sumo wrestling a bunch around a bunch of Japanese people at Tim Curry's apartment. Yeah, it's supposed I, to be like in the basement or something like that. I this this movie really flirts with a lot of it. The Cameron Diaz at Soul Train scene. Oh my god! I feel like all right. This is white liberal women wet dream. Absolutely. To be able because I feel like white liberal women like they fucking like they get off on this idea of. No, I can hang. No, I'm I'm with it. Like I'm accepted, and because I'm so cool and I'm so down with it. This has always been her dream. First of all, he does say, I, I, "It's a, let's unpack this." Yeah. Because she meets Luke Wilson's character, who's a bartender. Yeah. And he's like, "I'll take you out dancing," and they do have a little fun meet cute. It's like, I and love... we do open with Cameron Diaz dreaming about so disco we know, dancing. We know she loves to dance. We and know that's she loves to fine. dance. But the idea that they can go anywhere dancing and they choose Soul Train. And, and you know what? I'm not even mad. Like, Soul Train, like, it's a famous thing. My issue... Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah specifically, it's because it's true Soul Train. You have this very famous black... They've already... We've seen them kind of appropriate every other culture. So it kind of fits. And I was like, I was like, oh, wow. Is someone going to say the N-word? Like, I and don't know. You, they could definitely say it. I don't know <laughs> where we're at with this movie. So I, when they got there, I was like, <gasps> I like held There's my breath. There's no explanation to why. Like, here's the thing. I feel like, especially in the scene later on, Luke Wilson's character, he keeps talking to the bodyguards. They're not speaking to him. Later on, after Natalie leaves... They're like, ah, and they're chummy with him. If we find out that they gave him the tickets, he's actually friends with all those bodyguards. That's why they went there. That would, like, every every 
question answered. Yep. But other than that, it makes no sense. And it's just this, as you said, there's it's this scene of white people constantly trying to attempt to break through the black, angry black barrier is what it's seen. And then additionally, um, Cameron Diaz is dancing. Everyone is looking at her, angry black. And then one girl, one black woman, She's so- who is dating a white man. Oh my God, this drove me crazy. I know exactly what we're talking about. She goes, okay. Yeah. And once, All she, right. once she approves it. And she gives the cosign, everyone else is like, okay, white, go white girl, go white girl. <laughs> and she gave the cosign. And that was my whole thing. I was just like, oh, it's this idea that. Every she was out and she got one black person to co-sign her, and the black person who did co-sign her happened to also be with a white man. So of course she had to be a little bit more open-minded. Yeah. And it was like I'm we're diving way too into it, but I literally that scene I was like, no, so problematic. This is the this is the the fucking save the last dance thing. It's like I, uh. there are so many, I, I mostly <laughs> women honestly. It's white women who like. The dream of just being in the circle of black people, them screaming, go white girl, go white girl, we approve, you're down with us, you can hang with us, you've appropriated our culture to the point where we accept you. Like, that's <laughs> that's what it is. And, like, it's, it's baby got back. Yeah, oh, the fact that, the, the, I, I, it could have been any song, but it starts with the song of just, like, look at that black girl's ass. That's how that song starts and, But it also starts by zooming in on Cameron Diaz. And her very flat white ass. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that was one of the things that I really had. And then also, not only is this movie racist in several, several different ways, Chinese oh, wow. finally... Fighting Muffin. Again, I was like, no. She, she says, it's not Chinese, it's blueberry. I'm like, preach. <laughs> I will say that the scene is funny because she, she puts the muffin down and it clinks. Yeah. So that's hilarious. <laughs> um, then you have her be the masseuse at the Asian oh, parlor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then there's more yellow face or black face later on. It's just like, it's just this constant resurgent of her being, having to be, and I said they use every single trope of virgin whore, dominatrix, damsel, um, and then in that Asian dominatrix culture, scene, Jesus, bro. In Asian culture, there's the um, submissive Asian, which is what Alex plays, and then she, her counterpart is Dragon Lady, which Alex plays. Yeah, and not even that. Tim Curry said that he uh, shipped over all of the Asian decor from Japan to his apartment. For this Asian themed party where he only invited Asians, what's happening? Again, yeah, it's, it's, I remembered that this is a time where uh, we were really into Asian culture as a like as a nation, and fashion was all about like these satin um, little dresses and like yeah, it, it was a thing where like I believe most of two thousand everyone appropriated Chinese culture. It was just like a cute thing. That whole party sequence was so weird because for whatever reason, it's like I guess it's on a rooftop. But it's, it almost feels like you're in, like, a garden or somewhere, like, beautiful. So when they run into an alleyway in the back, I was like, whoa, this really is throwing me off. Oh, my God. So the alleyway. Like, the layout. Of, I'm like, where is this party? Where What yeah. city are you in? Yeah. It just, like, leads straight in there. They have the fight, which I will say that could have been in my good. Because it's, well, it's fun and it's memorable and it's iconic. The slow-mo in this movie is, is too slow. So many slow-mos. I was like, this is like John Woo level. Honestly, <laughs> what happened was, it was like... Jason Woo. Matrix, what, two or three yes. years before? Crouching Tiger, what, the year before? Something like that? Yeah. Like, this has so much Matrix, Crouching Tiger Matrix influence. was actually one year before this. Yeah, like, this is... They're really, like, emulating so much of it to the point where we get the slow-motion bullet scene. Yeah. And it just, like... But the slow-motion, you're right, is so slow. And even the regular choreography just doesn't look like fighting. It looks so slow and choreographed. There's so many times where someone does a flip without running to build the velocity to do the flip. Yeah. Where you're just like... This this isn't this is beyond physics. Like this isn't even slow motion. Like what are you showing us here? Absolutely. Kind of going back to like both their fighting skills and uh, appropriation. Uh, Dylan's character saying, "I'm gonna moonwalk out of here," and then not moonwalking at all, just walking backwards. Yep. Why could Why couldn't you just say, "And then I'm gonna walk backwards out of here"? Because that was disrespectful to the moonwalk. <laughs> or, or just leave without saying anything. No one No one's around to hear you. Absolutely. But that's another scene where it's like. We get all of these things where now it's so clearly, it's so clear that you're on wires, that you're being, that you're using slow motion. It's just all of it could have been reduced. 
Can I ask you a question? Yes. Could please. this entire movie be reworked for a Ninja Turtles plot? <laughs> because really when I'm thinking about it, I'm just like, there's so much like fighting with like one-liners and dancing and Absolutely. bright colors that I'm just like, what is this? Um uh I I understand what they're doing. Like I understand that this is like an MTV generation movie. Like this movie was made for the MTV and it movie is. It's awards supposed to be, yeah. 2000 era. Yep. Um there's so much of just like colors and shapes and just like explosions and, and explosions, but there's like do you care about any of these characters in this movie? No. Honestly, like, even the mission, like, I was thinking about it. So, this is what, one of the things that I had. <laughs> the mission, they say that um, the what makes this special is that the voice, everyone has a very specific voice signature. Uh, this technology recognizes that and then can pinpoint you anywhere. By the way, we do that a lot easier right now. Yep. We actually walk around with just phones in our pockets. Yep. And like I love that it's seen as like, oh my God, can you imagine what kind of world you'll be in if they could just track you? We literally voluntarily tell people where we are on Snapchat at all times. Yeah, but so <laughs> Enemy of the State came out like four years before this. So it's not yeah. that original. But, but also, every other, every other um, technology is hacked. Yeah. Every other one. We literally see them. There's a sequence where they hack eye scanners. They hack fingerprints. They hack undetectable. Yeah, you're hacking fingerprints. So, like, <laughs> clearly you are so beyond what voice recognition is able to track. Which, really, I mean, I do have to say, the whole voice recognition to find Charlie, I do... So, here's the thing. Once it changed and you realize that, that that's the purpose of it, that's kind of cool. But it's just, again, it's... Uh, it's something where it takes a little bit of audience. It's not written in the text. Well, and also, like, this whole movie is built around this idea that Sam Rockwell believes that Charlie killed his father in, like, Vietnam or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. But, like, Charlie's like, oh, no, that didn't happen. And the girls are like, crazy. Yeah, just, yeah. That's it. That's all we're given. No, maybe do a no flashback. <laughs> maybe do something. Maybe have like a scene of Sam Rockwell as a child or him like getting the news and his perception for why he believes it because he spent so much time, resources in his life yeah. to do something that Charlie's like, that didn't happen. Crazy. He, he made a Fortune 500 company. Yeah. <laughs> Get over it. <laughs> Go, this is what therapy is for. <laughs> So also in that whole thing with the the red star, as I said, um, there we didn't even talk about them infiltrating the red star. And again, this is what I'm talking about: Lucy Liu being the tiger dominatrix um, thing over all these guys. I yep. always remind myself when we're in this era, this is the era pre-internet porn, because again, the yep. idea that these office guys can have access to women like this is they they're seem like coming in their pants yeah a hundred percent they can't <laughs> i'm sorry i just realized they did uh uh they dressed up as arabs as well um yeah that's what <laughs> i was just looking through my notes but no um when i saw that scene of her as the dominatrix i just really thought um that like they were trying to think of every fantasy that they could throw into this absolutely into this movie and it's a little the problem is, is that, like, when Drew Barrymore wants to be sexy or when Cameron Diaz wants to be sexy, they're just kind of themselves. When Lucy Liu wants to be sexy, she is what white men think of Asian women to be sexy. Absolutely. That's kind of my problem with her. Like, I remember with, um, what happened? There's a scene where Lucy Liu says, isn't it? amazing what you can find out on the internet and she's no like, like that we need to talk about that scene because she tells matt leblanc perfectly how to how to defuse a bomb and matt leblanc's like i didn't know you learned so much about bombs massaging people she's like no i've been looking up bombs and weapon re weaponry on the internet nothing shady no red flags <laughs> don't look into that don't ask questions i'm hot pay attention to me no if someone told me now that they knew how to defuse a bomb and they read it on the internet Get Why off of my Wi-Fi. Yeah. <laughs> you, your Wi-Fi privileges have been revoked. I don't need that kind of attention on me. I tore it too much. But again, my whole thing is she specifically was like, 
the internet and yeah. it was like 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 the subject of the internet is sexy yeah oh and like the internet was a brand new thing <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely this is 2000 like aol's been out for a while it's, it's so ridiculous just but again i think she's just so overly sexualized yeah in everything she does also i don't know if you remember the internet in 2000 it was a bunch of bullshit angel fire homepage websites <laughs> like it was it was really not good like there wasn't like a which set. makes me think that there probably was a like she wasn't googling bomb. she was asking jeeves how to defuse a bomb yeah but that does make me think that like there is some angel fire web page on how to defuse a bomb because i mean why not um oh let's talk about a few more plot holes uh the car has a printer oh the car <laughs> the car does have a printer um for no reason for no reason the car has a printer um alex sorry not alex uh natalie when she sees creepy then man which by the way creepy then man is everywhere nobody asks why yep um he just kind of leaves the premises as if this is a Fortune 500 company who has insurance on those vehicles. They're going to check and see who the driver was. He was there. He was the official driver. He wasn't like a... That was his main job. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, fuck this, I'm out because of, of this woman is chasing me. People died. There were car accidents. Oh, there were so many people damage. died. Yeah, yeah. People are dying. Like, the airplane is a bunch <laughs> of dead people. What was Charlie doing with all of these deaths? Like, is he that much of a millionaire that he's able to cover Just this? them all? Oh, my goodness, Absolutely. Bro. Also, their entire block is destroyed. Yep. Uh, and they are blown back into the car. No back problems. No, like, like there's no, like, therapy. Matt LeBlanc <laughs> comes to his trailer completely shot up like Bonnie and Clyde, and he's just like, hey, you weren't in there, right? He's so just, like, casual about it. By the way, does he live on the movie set? I was so confused. Yes, he, apparently he just lives on the movie set. Uh, yeah, and, and by the way, there was a no shooting. Yeah. There was a shooting on the movie set. No one said anything. No. Um... <laughs> There's a scene where we see a close-up of Lucy Lou's feet on Tim Curry's face. Why? Um, there is the... Um, I, I'm sorry. I'm just looking through some of these notes that I have here. Um, hey, have you been skydiving before? No. Okay, so I've been skydiving. <laughs> um, and oxygen is very limited when you're skydiving because you're at a certain level of, and, and a certain height, whatever. You know what makes it a lot better? Throwing on a full mask. <laughs> Drew Barrymore jumps out of the sky wearing LL Cool J's full mask while she's skydiving. She would have suffocated before she hit the ground. <laughs> um, but no, remember she has that little implant inside her throat or whatever. Uh, um, did Bosley give off some Joe Biden vibes when they were all on the couch together? Oh, absolutely. Like, but again, were... this is why I said with, with Bosley, specifically with Bosley, this is his first week on the job. You cannot... He... First of all, leaves the client alone with uh, while sensitive information is being downloaded. Yep. Sensitive information, you just leave it in His there. only job is secrecy. That's yeah. his only job is to keep Charlie secret. And he fucks up left and right. Immediately. Um, they have his phone. They yep. have his phone. It's not encrypted or anything like that. Nope. We've seen that you guys have like a stellar technology. You're telling me you didn't encrypt his phone in any way, shape, or form? This is... Um, and then also... What was it going to say? Oh, um, resolution, which is one of the parts that we always try to talk. Solving the crime. They only, they don't solve the crime, by the way. The crime actually gets pulled off. They resolve their mistake of yep. giving the technology to uh, Sam Rockwell and Eric Knox. And then Tim Curry dies. <laughs> yeah. There's fatality. <laughs> this was a terrible mission. Um... <laughs> What did you think of that whole Drew Barrymore getting shot scene? I so here's the thing. I I like it. It is like something that I like in this movie only because I love the idea of being smart enough, like kind of like a did you ever watch um uh Benedict Cumberbatch's Sherlock Holmes? Sherlock Holmes. No. Yeah. All right, so that Sherlock, he's kind of seen as, like, always thinking ahead and very being very calculated and stuff like that. And I would have loved, like, that's how I saw that thing. It's like, her being a detective understood that she was going to get shot. She knew that he, the way that he was holding the gun wasn't going to hit her. So the best thing she could do was just jump back and pretend. But yeah. at the same time, what if you weren't wearing a really long sheet? <laughs> yeah, there was so much with that. Um, um, and then there's also like this hint of her falling down the hill. By the way, you've broken several bones. Um, and then she's going naked, naked again. Bad boys. job. 
badge out, rolling down the hill. Just think about that for like, think about how that would fuck up your week. <laughs> but she's seen as going straight up to these two teenage boys, not even teen, preteen boys. Children. Who are talking about whether or not they've ever seen a boob. Nope. And she just shows up naked and again, kind of wish fulfillment. Yep. This is my problem with this movie. Dirt bus shows up asking for clothes. <laughs> um, uh, also, like, we were saying how, like, her role was just kind of to be a sex pop, but she's kind of the worst of that, too. Because Absolutely. There's a scene where they're at the uh, NASCAR race thing where she's supposed to be seducing this guy, and her go-to move was to lick a steering wheel. Yeah. It just seemed like there was no, like, oh, I see what she's doing. Oh, she's actually really smart. No, it was just, like, was tits, like, tongue, I'm here. This, this movie, is what it is. This movie does judge men for being stupid. Like, they're like, do you yeah. see how stupid men are? But then, you know, also, it's condemning because there's that scene with... Vivian, where she goes, oh, you didn't pick up on this? I'm a woman. I knew. And it's just like, oh, God, I just can't with this movie and what it's supposed to be implying. Do you have anything else with this movie? Um, I mean, I have a, oh, I have a few things. Uh, I, I just do want to bring up the fact that we saw uh, yellow face, black face, Arab face, whatever you want to call that. Um, yeah. there's, there's so much uh, of the races that we're checking off. Um, there's a scene where they're dressed up as, um, oh gosh, what's like a German? Yes. I actually thought that was kind of funny. It uh, is, but again, it's very much like it's, it's the ditzy blonde yeah. girls. Are, which by the way, that guy, again, it's so weird. Cause like who's living there? Cause apparently they went to his home, but then some guy who we don't know, business partner, possibly it's the middle of the day. This other dude just comes and says, Hey, they have the wrong address. Now you have two guys who are just like, yeah, let's watch. What were you both doing home in the middle yeah. of the day? Like, they were definitely, like, it's, 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 it's suspect. I'll, all I want to say. Sus. Not <laughs> sus. Um, okay, no. I remembered exactly what I'm going to talk about. And this is actually a main problem I had with this fucking movie. Bosley gets kidnapped. Yeah. They're able to, through the tooth microphone that we've established earlier in the movie, which apparently he's never taken out. Okay, which first means, time on the job. Which means his entire conversation with Vivian being recorded, whatever. <laughs> um... Cameron Diaz is able to find Bosley because a bird chirps. Cameron Diaz says, oh, I know that exact bird chirp. Yeah. That's the so-and-so bird. It just so happens to only be on this one specific place. Yeah. The lengths they go through to find Bosley, instead of doing actual detective work, yeah. instead of doing actual, like, hey, we, I, I went to space. We <laughs> see, I know how to solve this problem. None of that. It's just like, oh, happenstance that a bird that the only one I can do perfectly is the one I'm overhearing in the background. It's too much coincidence. By the way, when you looked that up, she was wrong about the bird, and she's wrong that it's not It's not um, only in one area. It actually no. has a completely different... I, birds fly. Yeah. The whole idea that birds are only on one island. It, dude, this whole movie falls Again, apart at it, the scenes. It really does, especially in the third act. The, the helicopter... Okay, so there's a scene where they're trying to chase Sam Rockwell... Um, he's on the helicopter and they're on like his castle or whatever he was yeah. hanging out. And then Sam Rock was like, Oh, I'm gonna blow this place up. Launches a missile. The helicopter is no joke, ten feet away from this castle that he explodes. Giant explosion, he gets away fine. Told you no shrapnel shrapnel doesn't make any sense because when the the missile is coming back yep. to the helicopter, the helicopter at the end. Uh, they get Dylan out seconds before seconds. and the entire helicopter explodes we're talking huge chunks of burning metal and they all just fall into the water and then wash up on shore from a feat <laughs> that they would have died from just from the jump by the way also um no parachutes no pair no parachutes <laughs> if there's a giant helicopter crash outside are you curious <laughs> to what's going on charlie is just like i'm out i guess no and charlie everyone no one on that beach like reports everyone's just no it, attention is played to any of this with the explosion at charlie's office there's there's all this chaos there's no police there's no fire department like everything is just so like convenient to what i imagine mick g's idea of a charlie's angel situation is absolutely and again i think if they would have leaned more into that and made it be like hey this is a tv world let's make constantly. this over let's make it over yeah all right yeah let's get into the makeover okay so what do you want to see in this? Uh, we already know it's getting made over. So what do you want to see in this new? Um, I, I, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm going to pretend that I haven't seen the trailer for this new movie. Just for, okay, go for it. Because I don't want, because I am, 
I know a little bit about what they're doing with it. But separate from that, from just watching this 2000 Charlie's Angels, I believe that one, I would like to see their skill sets be uh, verified and come into play for why they are part of Charlie's team. I would like to see an actual deep relationship between the three central characters, a sisterhood, to make it so that when one is in danger, it actually has some stakes to it that we actually care. I would like it if that if they're going to do a romance at all in it, like have it be something to where like there's some bonding there. Like even, you know what I think about, um, you know, in Clueless when Brittany Murphy is just like, um, oh, you like The Martian or whatever it is. Yeah. Just, a little, just something small like that where it's like, oh, we're bonding. Like we have something that we're, we're into together. Not just Luke Wilson just being like, oh, you have a really pretty smile. Do you want to go out? I really like this guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's all of it's just so surface. And I understand like it's cheesy. It's a, intended to be cheesy. But I feel like you could very easily like say like, hey, we're going to make a cheesy movie. But surprise, there's actually some heart. There's some depth. There's something to make you as the audience go, wow, I really hope they figure this out. Because there's nothing in me during this movie that's making me go, I hope this all works out for them. I care about what's happening. I will say they do a little bit better in Full Throttle. Because in Full Throttle, I mean, as much as that movie is just an extension of this and they're like cultural appropriation, the sequel, they do really, they do include a storyline of, hey, this is a problem within the group. Dylan has these concerns about getting older and the the trio breaking up while at the exact same time, hey, there's another former angel who shows you how this whole system and this whole uh, group mentality can go awry. I, you know the reason why, and again, I haven't seen Full Throttle and I, unless I'm forced to for this podcast, I probably will. <laughs> but I do love the idea of questioning their allegiance to both Bosley and Charlie, because we have no reason as the audience to believe that they've ever met Charlie. They seem to have this fondness and just like, oh, I'll do anything either of these men ask me to do, yeah. but I don't know why. Absolutely. And again, I think maybe a little bit more, I I, I will admit to seeing the, the trailer for the new one, and it does seem we get more of an origin story, and I'm here for that. Yeah. Because I we do want to know what brings these girls here? What they're each of their individual yeah, skills? Yeah, what set. are they each bringing to the table? And what do they get out of this? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, why what, what why you... are they doing this? Because honestly, it seems like this job for these angels in the 2000 version is just interrupting their regular lives. Absolutely. And there's like, there seems to be no real benefit because we don't see them living in very lavish lives. We yeah. don't really see them enjoying the privileges of anything um, they're not even like constantly, they're not even constantly each in successful, like hooking up relationships or anything yeah. like that. It's all work and inconvenience and almost death. Um, which I mean, like, even if you look at any other spy movie, and they seem to be having so much fun with it for none of the right reasons. Like, everything you're saying, there's like, there's no reason for why they should be so happy about it, but they're thrilled. I wrote down, I forget, uh, I'm glad you wrote that. I wrote down that this whole movie feels like one big slumber party. Yeah. And this movie was made for, for girls to watch at slumber parties. Like, that's, that's a hundred percent. That's, well, for me, it's made with like an envision of that early. 2000s late 90s idea that this is how women behave when they're together it's yeah. just one big slumber party a man's idea of what women are like and that honestly i think is the main problem with this whole movie is that all of it feels like it's coming from a male voice oh um that's because in a movie called charlie's angel featuring three women three main female characters and even a female bad guy it passes the bechdel test barely yeah barely there are like two scenes where they don't talk about a guy because every other scene is them talking the um chinese fighting muffin yep. scene is one and that's racist and then there's a scene <laughs> where alex is um pretend she's um the efficiency expert and she's talking to an young um Melissa McCarthy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that scene, Melissa McCarthy calls her a bitch. And she's like, I heard that. Yeah. And so, like, these scenes right here are the ones, but every other scene pretty much focuses on a guy. Even when Cameron Diaz is fighting Vivian, she's like, hey, I really liked that guy. Yeah. And then Vivian's like, oh, is this the famous Charlie? And again, it's all it's all male-centric. It's all, everything has to do with men in this movie. And there's very, if any... um 
attention given to their relationship as a trio um, and their dynamic as women. Do you know, I might be remembering this wrong, is Elizabeth Banks Elizabeth doing... Banks plays Bosley. Well, but she's episode. also, I think, directing yeah, this one too, right? I, that, and that's what I think this is. I, I'm here for a Charlie's Angels written and directed by women. This Absolutely. is a movie that should be in the hands of women. Like, Absolutely. there's no reason why Mick G of all people, of all the directors... Well, you, you said it gotten... early on. This is a MTV music... No, I guess I'm saying that, like, from the, from the conceit of, hey, guys, we want to do a Charlie's Angels movie. The fact is, is that they trusted it in the hands of, at the time, a not very successful director. Like, no, he didn't really have any big hits. This yeah. is his biggest hit. Um... They trusted it with this guy who really just made like a, hey, teenage boys will think they're hot and girls will think this is funny. And maybe that's the goal of this. Maybe that's all they wanted. The movie made more money than it cost, so they won. Well, it also had three of the um, most notable actresses of the time. Yeah, and I mean, like, even the side, like, Luke Wilson, (coughs) um, Bill Murray, like, I mean, they got actors in this movie. Um, but yeah, just no one stopped to go, hey, maybe this is racist. Hey, maybe this doesn't represent women in the best light. Okay, what are the ponytails and glasses of this movie? Uh, that is the two things holding this movie back from greatness. Racism. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I knew, I knew racism was going to be Honestly, racism and sexism. If you took those two out, like, <laughs> this movie would be great. <laughs> I love is it. that too much to ask for movies? Like, no racism or sexism? Oh, also, we didn't even talk about the homophobia. Like, very in the beginning, we see this uh, very flamboyant uh, flight attendant guy who is also made to be, like, both a diva, bad at his job, yep. and, again, calls, like... Oh, he's also seemed to be racist, because he stops LL Cool J, and he's like, um, first class only. Yeah. And I was like, oh, so we're acknowledging racism? Okay, so... so maybe Drew Barrymore knows what it's like, because he's been black like me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we started with LL and ended. I would love to... Honestly, if, this, if there was a movie in which uh, Drew Barrymore had to dress in blackface but couldn't take it off, that's the movie I want to see. Again, I love that idea. It's a great Whoever thought of it. Okay, so, um, is this movie more good than bad? Uh, Nope. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that is our, thank you guys for listening to another episode of Movie Makeover. Remember, you can find us on all the places, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, everywhere you love. Um, You can also find me on Twitter at Extra Siege. That's X-T-R-A-C-E-E-J. T-Z. You can find me on Instagram at abraverme, at me. And if you guys had thoughts on how to make this movie better, I'm certain you do if you've seen it, um, please write us at uh, movie... Uh, makeoverpod at gmail.com you can also check us out at movie underscore makeover on all of our social needs um, and yeah guys just let us know what you thought of Charlie's Angels because I'm sure a ton of you loved it I promise you not as good as you think it's on Hulu yes uh, no Amazon where did you watch it Oh, <laughs> I, I, I think I watched it on Hulu. So I think it's either on Hulu or Amazon for those who are interested. It's in on Amazon. Then. Okay, yeah, Amazon. <laughs> okay, uh, you guys, um, I'm Siege. And I'm TC. Makeover and out. Damn you, Salazar! <laughs>